Hello and welcome to the Footy on the Med podcast. Join Alex Wade and John O'Hare as they explore football clubs and football culture along the Mediterranean coast. Thanks, voiceover guy. This week, we go more posh than even Beck's ever managed with a trip to the old money football mecca of Cap Ferrat for a clash between Villefranche Saint-Jean-Beaulieu and Rousset Saint-Victoire. Truly one of the world's most upmarket locales, we encounter Mini Ultras, Ferraris, Frederick Nietzsche, Mr. Wu, and a tale of a miraculous Weimariner. There is even some time travel back to QPR versus Swansea. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. But before we get there, it's time for some sponsorship information. We are delighted that Pitch Publishing and Performance Film and Media are now sponsoring Footy on the Med. For more info, see our homepage. But for now, let's just say Pitch is the UK's leading sports book publisher, while Performance Film and Media are the go-to guys for your insurance needs for anything creative, making films, writing books, even making podcasts. So, head to footyonthemed.com and scroll to the bottom of the homepage for more information. Time for the first half. Footy on the Med is today coming to you from Cap Ferrat. Uh, not a too shabby place, has to be said. We're watching uh, Villefranche Saint-Jean-Belieu against FC Rousset, um, a team from uh, Provence near Aix-en-Provence. This is a game in National 3, the uh, Corsica Mediterranean Division. Quite a lot to play for. Villefranche are second from bottom of this division at the moment, with just um, one win in their 12 games today, and a mere seven points to show for their efforts. Uh, Rousset aren't doing that much better. They're 10th with 14 points and four wins to date. A lot of noise here, not a very big crowd, but an extraordinary amount of noise, uh, smoke and flares. Young lad with a loudspeaker. Uh, calling out various lines which his uh, young mates are all echoing and singing back to. Uh, I'll try and catch a bit of him in a minute. Anyway, here we go. Rousset on the attack, cutting in from the right wing. Nice little bit down the left. It's going to go out for a goal kick though. I got the uh, equipment set up in record time today, Alex. Yeah, that was well done, John, actually. And uh, here we are at the game before the kickoff. Yeah. Little on the attack. Nice ball. Nice footwork. Ow. Corner ball, corner to Villefranche. Let me ask you this, what level uh, of football is this? National 3, Corsica Mediterranean Division. So you've got um, League 1, 2, 3, then National 1, 2, 3, correct? Yes. I'm learning. Yeah, me too. I hope our information is correct. But we should set the scene, shouldn't we? Let's just watch this corner come in from Villefranche now. Villefranche playing in, what is that colour, purple? Fuchsia, I believe, yeah. Mm. Here it comes. He's making some noise, that fellow, isn't he? Extremely uh, loud collective to our left. That's great, what local support, fantastic. Another corner. It's it. What a strike. Good effort. 
So, John, is this um, is this the poshest sort of football area we've ever been to? No, Monaco, probably, I suppose. Or... Well, I think actually, well, that's a great question. I was gonna, I was gonna argue with you there and say, no, Monaco will, you know, with its blocks of flats and things like that, you could probably get into Monaco for a million or less. You can't, you can't buy anything around here for a million. This is next level posh. Yeah, as I was just saying, um, so we're on Cap Ferrat, which is a place I've never been to until today. For those people listening who can speak French, um, they might be uh, recoiling at your pronunciation of Saint Jean Cap Ferrat. One does not pronounce the T there, Alex. No, no um, well, it is the first time I've ever been here. All right. So Cap Ferrat. That's it. I believe its name is a bit of a misnomer. Oh, here we go. No, no. <laughs> Someone's been reading no, well, some because stuff. because Ferrat comes from um, the Latin, meaning fierce. Of course. And, and um, it's not exactly fierce around here, is it? Although this crowd are pretty fearsome, perhaps. Is he local or travelling, do you think? These are, I think these are local lads. Do you think they're devoted to Villefranche? Um, or are they sort of, you know, Nice or Marseille fans who are just sort of here because Nice and Marseille are away or something today? I think they're just having a bit of a laugh, aren't they? He's bought a megaphone and a couple of flares. He's the man. Tell you what, John. Well, there's our answer. They're all chanting Via France. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Via France. Oh, look at that. Did you see that? Oh, that was a shocking challenge by the number um, four, I think, for Villefranche. I'd say it's, it's. Are we up a level from our outing to Monton? Yeah? Yes, yeah, yeah. Almost certainly. It, just looking at the organisation of the respective clubs with coaches, you know, everyone's got matching kit, that kind of stuff. Yes, they're, uh, they've, got, they've read that part of the, uh, the memo. And also, I've already spotted two pairs of red boots. We didn't see any red boots last week. <laughs> and um, possibly a first, a pair of white and orange boots. Oh, there you go. Surprised they're not diamond encrusted. <laughs> yeah, so as we were, sort of, we were talking about this in the car on the way here, weren't we? I mean, are these players, are they all the, uh, the sons of millionaires? Well, you've got to live close by, haven't you? You'd have to, yeah. And we're in what's known as the Golden Triangle, which is Villefranche, yeah. Saint-Mer, um, Beaulieu, right? And also saint jean cap -Fer. Okay, okay. Villefranche is the most uh, normal of the three. It's a small, you've been there, haven't you? Small little fishing port. Only I drove in and drove out. Oh, that's right, you told me that. It's a yeah. lovely place, absolutely lovely place. When you say the most normal, what do you mean? What, what, what are the other Well, two? you could actually live there if you only had a few million in the bank, as right. opposed to having 50. Okay. Um, Pleasingly, this game was free, though. Yeah, well, they don't need to collect anything around here, do they? We've got enough. It all went quiet there. Yeah. Well, as usual, at a certain point in every podcast, people start to look at us and wonder what on earth we're doing. That moment just happened. What we've got to hope, John, is that Matey with his loudspeaker over there yep. doesn't select us as the object of a song or a chant. Oh, no. Or it might be, be flattered, actually. Oh, I'm flattered, yeah. yeah. Okay, number 10 on the ball, Unless, who you say? Free kick. As long as it's not who ate all the pies. Oh dear. 
Oh, that's so early in the game. That Alex, was, that's my, that uh, was it. That's yeah. my cue. There it was. Yeah. I could have taken that free kick. It was uh, so, listeners. That was an absolutely terrible free kick. Um, one of the worst you'll ever see. And it's something that John or I could have done. I'll go out on a limb here and say I could even do better than that. Well, now that's. Uh, I know. I should take, kind of take that back. Let's wait till tomorrow morning when we see you play. Yeah, I'm excited to play again tomorrow. It's been uh, how long has it been since we played? Well, you, you dropped out with your bad knee. I played every week for a while. Yeah, the, the operation I had to have on my knee. Yeah. I wasn't malingering. I want you to know that. But tomorrow you're recovering still with your dodgy knee, and I've got a broken foot. So yeah, we need to be on the team of five against the four. Yes. Hey, well. look, here's the number ten. He's in. Is he? Yes. He's got pace. So I really like him. It's well defended, though. Really well defended. Here's the number 10 again. Cuts inside, beats the player. Wins the corner. John, Star of the game number so 10. Far, He's a good 10. player. Good. Number 10 for Villefranche. The good news about us not having a programme for this week, Alex, is there are absolutely no programmes to be had. So it's not like we didn't succeed in a, a minor mission of finding out who's playing. And there was no information online either. So right. this is like an underground, it's like an underground boxing club. Do you know what? This is fantastic, John. It is. The standard of this, these guys Unbelievable. is absolutely superb. The facilities that we're at for the level of football that's being played, as it were, as in National 3, are quite spectacular. But we can't overstate just how posh it is around here. This, I was telling Alex, is the second, well, it was the last time I checked, it's the second most expensive zip code in France, um, Saint-Jean-Cap-Ferre. And the whole triangle itself is exceptionally eye-wateringly expensive. Yeah. And many people who are the billionaires and millionaires of Monaco have their residence in Monaco, but will have their actual houses in these areas. And the pitch is one of those, uh, is it called 3DO or something like that? The oh, no. <laughs> artificial pitch. <laughs> with a heavy challenge there. Yeah, artificial pitch here. Um, lovely surface. Looks beautiful, doesn't it? But I wonder if um, away teams feel they've got an advantage playing on this. Back in the uh, in the days that you're a member of plastic pitches in the UK, the pioneers of which were which football? Oh, hold on, the fellow with the headband on his head, Watford. No, QPR. Yes, John. QPR had go. the first astroturf. Yeah. Did Watford have one as well? I who's the, who's I don't the know. defender I'm thinking with? He used to have a headband on his head. Terry, 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 Terry Butcher. No, 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 no. That was, that was a World Cup injury. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, yeah, no, QPR, and I'm very pleased to get a reference to QPR in very early on in the game. Yeah, it was early on. Yeah. That was early yeah. enough. And a relevant one as well. Do you think Do you think anyone's ever mentioned QPR here before at this ground? I think they're probably every week, I think. They've probably got the training ground. It's like, you know, come on, boys, let's, let's do train this. like QPR yeah. of 1962. It's a bit later than that. When was QPR's greatest uh, era? Uh, Mid-70s. When we came second to some team from up north. So, so just the mid 70s? It wasn't like uh, the 70s, just the mid 70s. <laughs> just, just, just to give a season. Just a month in uh, <laughs> 1976. We got manager um, of the month one year. <laughs> no, we were, uh, we were very, very formidable in the um, early to late 70s. Nice. And we were the first team, John, to play yeah. continental passing football on the deck under Dave Sexton. Oh. And, uh, you were passing the football on the deck under Dave Sexton. Was he particularly small? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I see. He was the manager, was he? That was how he taught us. Oh. He used to get these two chairs and 
to a plank position in training. And the players have passed I, the ball. I, I thought Sexton was a plank, yeah. Anyway, to further set the scene here, we're in this, um, this little stadium, which has a kind of terrace along one side of the pitch. No other seating. Here we've got mountains behind us. See to the right, left. We're on a peninsula, so all around us, apart from one direction. One direction. Didn't think I'd get them in the podcast. And uh, Rousset came close then, actually. Keeper lost the ball, got lobbed goalwards and cleared off the line. I wonder if I can borrow his um, megaphone and, and shout, can we not just knock it? Can we rotate the carousel? Well, you, you are now the tactical expert yeah. on the med because you read that inverting the pyramid book. Yeah, the only problem is all of my tactics are for grass football. Uh, uh, this is okay. AstroTurf. Right. I've got to read um, mm. the seminal work on that is uh, plastic passing. By uh, Mr. Uh, Turf. Yeah, <laughs> by Ivano Turf. So this week, John, I'm, I'm wearing trousers, you will note. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am glad. As opposed to shorts, and yeah. I realise you're referring to last week's debacle where you didn't have any shorts on, you got your trousers on. I was uh, very warm and toasty for the first half of last weekend's game in Montauk. And then freezing when the sun gone and gone. We're using the uh, travelling mics this week, Alex. How are you feeling about that? Kind of, it's a lot. It looks like we just look like two old blokes having a chat, don't we? This this week. The trouble is, our chat's quite sort of consistent, and, and uh, <laughs> we're talking more than the average fans do at a game, which is the way that bloke in the red jacket just started us. Well, he can move away. So after a very bright slot by Villefranche, Rousset are now uh, in, the in the ascendancy, as Alan Hansen used to put it. Rousseau uh, not in the ascendancy. Perfect. Did you know him at all? When you're, uh, you know, you know a lot of former Liverpool players. I do. I know. I quite, no, I don't wouldn't say I know a lot. I've met a few in the past. I've never met Alan, Alan Hansen. But yeah, Hansen and Lawrenson were the centre-back pairing when I was a kid, when I first started watching football. Yeah. Emlyn Hughes was coming to the end of his... Uh, career. Well, I can't say that. Captaincy and Liverpool career. But he went on to play other places, I'm sure. Well, um, Loro and um, Alan, of course, were a duo as pundits, weren't they, after, after their careers? And I yeah. think they probably um, take their hats off to us, John. So what a cracking couple of, uh, well, not pundits. Do they wear hats? Do they? Yeah, they were. They, yeah, they yeah, okay. yeah. Flat caps or um, beanies, usually. Beanies. I can't believe these footy on the mid lads. They're just fantastic. That's a drunk <laughs> But At least we're not going to sweat. Do you sweat, John, at all when it's hot? Or have you got uh, like um, I've Prince got Andrew Prince Andrew's or... disease, yeah. Why have you got an inability to sweat? I once went uh, Arctic swimming and my hypothalamus shrank so precipitously small. Yeah. I don't, I'm just making up words now. Um, that it, uh, my thermoregulatory system shut down and has never recovered. So I'm just either insanely hot without sweating or, or very cold without any kind of... Really? Yeah. And, and do you have um, medical I'm like records, a that, I'm medical like a records that would prove this? Well, no, I don't. Which is not to cast any doubt at all on Prince Andrew's uh, condition. 
which in his case came from an overdose of adrenaline, didn't it? Oh, is that right? I didn't, I didn't hear the backstory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, in his service in the Falklands War, he, um, he suffered an overdose, an overdose of adrenaline, which left him with an inability to sweat thereafter. Crikey. Is he the only person in recorded history to have had that problem? No, I've had a similar one as well, actually. Oh, yeah? What's Another yours? overdose of adrenaline, yeah. But unfortunately, in my case, it's um, resulted in, a, in too much sweating. Oh, speaking of legal issues, did you hear that uh, Zidane was in a bit of bother? No, I didn't. What's this about? Um, there was a, a dead woman found in his living room. And, Are you serious? And the police came round and immediately arrested him. Well, not immediately. They waited for the, the uh, inspectors to come round. And apparently he walked in and, and took one look at the situation and said, yeah, I, I arrest the, the, the football player. And it was only came to light when people were asking, how did he know? He said, as soon as I walked in, I realised it was murder on Zidane's floor. Yes. See, see murder <laughs> on Zidane's floor. Oh, I get it now. Yeah. Yeah, very good. <laughs> Keeping that. Jokes with John every week. That's a very good new section of the podcast we can have. Um, I was at a QPR game last week, uh, John. Oh, uh, we, uh, you know what we should do, Alex? We should have a QPR section. <laughs> well, I, I do wonder if there's a compelling, compelling editorial need for it. Yeah, I was in England for work this last few days, and um, so I went to see QPR play Swansea. So, Footy on the Med comes to you, all our listeners, from uh, the crucible of the greatest football in the UK, um, the Cayenne Prince Foundation Stadium, otherwise known as Loftus Road. I'm here for the first time this season. Actually, I tell a lie, the second time this season, because I saw an earlier game, Carling Cup. I'm next to my good friend Ricardo, uh, lifelong QPR fan like me. He's going to tell me who to look out to look out for tonight. Rich. Oh, hello, podcast. Yeah, uh, very exciting to be at Loftus Road tonight. A lot of great atmosphere uh, and a chance to get to the third in the table. But my goodness, Swansea have started better. OK, mate. Thank you. We shall continue. And uh, I was with an old mate of mine called Ricardo. He's not mm. called Ricardo at all, actually. He's called Richard. But he likes Spain and can speak Spanish, so I call him Ricardo. Ricardo Hola, came up with a, a very good new section, oh, yeah? a new segment for the podcast. Well, here I am at Loftus Road, the Cayenne Prince Foundation Stadium, and my friend Richard has just come up with a brilliant new segment for Footy on the Bed, and it is... The Sunday morning moment. Oh, catch it! QPR flirting with uh, disaster then, and evading it, which is pleasing for me and Richard. But tell us more about the uh, Sunday morning moment. Ah, the Sunday morning moment, that moment of magic when a professional footballer produces something, you think, I could have done that. So this is a variation of what John and I already do, which is the moment of absolute uh, incompetence that uh, we could have done. This is that one moment of the game when you you could have actually done it. Yeah, that that, that one moment when you think, "I, I could have been a professional. We like those moments. How many of you, of them have you had in your life? Uh, yeah, no, I, I do. I go with my friend Gary to these games very often, and we do sometimes say, I, I would have scored that. I'm not sure if either of us really believe it. Do you still have those little moments when, sort of late at night, you know, perhaps you've had a glass or two of wine too much? <laughs> you sit there idly thinking, and you think, well, 
I'm what in your age what 50 51. 51 okay and you think to yourself what if I was down my local park and someone saw me playing and maybe I, they just gave me a bit of a run out and I had a really good game for 10 minutes Do you, does that ever happen to you no no I, do you know what I, as I got older I got, I got really bad and I played against uh, a couple of players that have played at a good level and I realised that that was indeed a fantasy yeah same happened to me but I haven't given up the fantasy <laughs> Okay, so Gareth, Gareth Graham, um, played for Palace once, played for Brentford a few times, the team we don't really mention, uh, played a big part in Wimbledon's return to uh, the Football League pyramid, professional pyramid. Do you, when you watch games like this, do you sort of, you know, what, you're sort of 40 at the moment, aren't you, roughly? 43, yeah. 43, okay, gave you a few years there. Do you, do you miss it? Do you wish that you hadn't had a bad injury and you'd played a bit more? Yeah, of course you always do, but uh, again, I, I don't look back on hindsight. Obviously, I've got lovely family and everything now, and things happen for a reason. Um, but yeah, I watch, I watch games, I analyse them. I analyse them for a couple of things. I analyse them for obviously the football people playing. I also analyse midfield quite a bit because that's the position I played. So um, I love watching elegant players on the ball and do wrong with it. Yeah, but yeah, I love my football, whatever level. Fantastic attack by Rangers then. Charlie Austin offside, but really scything moving. Rangers just on the up, I think, in this game at the moment. So, Gareth, um, you were just noticing Charlie Austin there. Um, always done a great job for Rangers, would you agree? Yeah, definitely. I do. He's done a great job for his career. He's very intelligent footballer. Obviously, he'll get a goal and give a chance. So. But, yeah, the, the ball he played over the top, I was just saying that... Um, his intelligence is again that header just then. Very intelligent people around him, which is great for obviously midfield runners. One other thing about him, I mean, I can't, my eyesight might be letting me down, but it looks like he's got a bit of a sunroof. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think he, he, he's aging a little bit. I think um, he's playing 3 5 2 because his wing backs would definitely push on with that little quiff he's got. <laughs> well, I think the sunroof, mate, I've had one for a long time and, you know, I, I support them. So sitting next to me is uh, Gareth Graham, uh, ex-professional football player. But Gareth, look, here we are watching QPR Swansea. The Swansea fans, decent turnout over there. What do you think? Decent away support? Yeah, good, especially for Tuesday night, because um, you don't have to pay to go in England, you have to pay to go back, so... <laughs> yeah. yeah it's, it's done all right, yeah. And they were singing a song suggesting that this was a library a minute ago. That's not true, is it? No, no, there's no books around. <laughs> to my regret. So, Footy on the Med, the podcast, is coming to you today from uh, West London, QPR's ground. Uh, they're playing Swansea at the moment, it's 0-0. Uh, with a chat from New York. Um, uh, Mr. New Yorker, what's your name? My name is Cameron Strucker. Okay, and you're a, a writer and a lawyer, is that correct? Yes, I, I practice law in New York, and I'm writing there as well. Okay, now, also, you're quite interested in sport. How do you, what, what do you make of this game so far? Great save by the QPR goalkeeper there. Nice one, very good. Cameron. You were saying about the athleticism, the dexterity, the lateral movement, in your words. Well, I was saying how uh, amazed I am, how dexterous they are. They remind me a lot of basketball players in the U.S., except with their feet, obviously, rather than their hands. They're quite precise with their passing, and uh, I'm also amazed they don't get injured more frequently because the way they're laterally moving, they must be really putting a lot of stress and strain on their ligaments and tendons, but they seem... uh, and they seem to be okay, at least so far. Yeah, very true. I agree with all of that. 
And obviously, um, you know, this is this just you. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. Is this your um, first English um, football game? This is my first time being at a professional football, as you call it, game. Soccer, as we say, yes. I coached my daughter's eight-year-old league, but I don't think that's the same. Okay, will, will you be going to the QPR shop online and buying your daughter some QPR kit after this game? I, I am a QPR fan now, and uh, I will be buying many things, yes. Fantastic. <laughs> So Cameron, um, as I explained, this is for um, a football podcast, potentially. Here we are having a chat. You haven't signed a release form. Should people generally sign release forms before they contribute to a creative work? Well, the people should, but the person doing the recording doesn't need one. Is there um, an implied consent argument, do you think? Yes, there is. And in the United States, uh, if you're recorded in a public place, um, even if you are not aware of it, unless you're in a two-party state, unless what you're saying is private, there's really no cause of action that you would have anyway. Okay, and for those of our listeners, some of whom might be lawyers, you never know, just tell us what a two-party state is. A two-party state in the United States, those are the states where both parties have to know they're being recorded. They're actually in the uh, minority. Um, most states are one-party states, which means as long as the person doing the recording knows that he or she's recording, the other party doesn't have to know. Okay, thank you. Good bit of play by QPR, oh, then. It's a little bit of a legal break in the midst of the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we like to be divergent on, <laughs> on this podcast. So a quick shout-out to my uh, co-presenter of Footy on the Med, John O'Hare. Uh, to say, John, I'm really sorry. I completely missed the um, Atletico Medico moment then. But my colleague Richard here, deputising for you, John, will tell me how many seconds he thinks it took for the Atletico Medicos to reach the stricken player. Uh, well, two minutes. I think um, uh, about two minutes. Two, two minutes, he said. Also, could you give us a commentary on how they got to him? Did they take a single straight line, or did they did they do a wiggly line? Uh, no, it was fairly straight, but they uh, they picked up their knees as if they were going to accelerate, but it just didn't really happen. Yeah. So John and I have debated on um, the ways to get to the stricken player, and I my argument is that you should go in a straight line. John thinks there's room for the manoeuvre, and you could like sort of digress here and there and wander off a bit. Have they have they ever been booked or sent off for going too slowly? I'm not sure they ever have. Well, the, uh, the record, just so you know, is four seconds. That's the uh, quickest Atletico Medico we've had so far. Oh, wow. And now uh, you've, you've suggested that took two minutes. Not well, sure you're right. Well, it, it just felt like two minutes, that was all. OK, well, we'll keep an eye on that now. Also, another thing that John always likes to spot is, because um, he's a footwear observation uh, colour expert, yeah. what's the prevailing colour of the players' football boots tonight? Uh... I'm, I'm going white. I'd say, I'd say there's quite a mixture. Hang on, bit of aggro, bit of aggro. Aggro, there's aggro, there's aggro. Involving Charlie Austin, who's unhappy. But they've had a hug, and I think it's going to be a kiss. That's good to see. OK, come back to us on the prevailing colour in a minute. I think, I think that was Ryan Manning, wasn't it, he was involved in there. He used to play for, formerly of this parish, Ryan Manning QPR. Oh, I used to like him, actually, good player. Yeah, good player. I'm not, I'm not someone I'd have a fight with myself. No. But we're too old for any of that anyway. Not that we ever did. Speak for yourself. So, Rich, um, you were just telling me about your son. He's nine years old, but he's not a convert to the cause of QPR. Why is he? 
I don't know. I mean, he's got my genes, uh, but he just doesn't seem to like it. He likes wrestling. I think I think at school uh, he, he played football and there was someone who, who picked on him for not being very good on the first day. And unfortunately, that was it. And he's decided that he doesn't like football. I brought him to QPR and unfortunately that hasn't converted him. Even a 3-2 win against Preston, he wanted to go home the whole way through. I think it was the bad language. 3-2, my favourite score. But yeah, the bad language. Is it true that he uh, didn't like the language and told you, Dad, take me home? Uh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, to be fair, that was after uh, Lyndon Dyke scored a great goal, which was disallowed by the linesman, and the LZ Road were, were letting him know what they thought of him. Uh, but he turned around and said, I don't think this is appropriate. Would you take me home? And to be honest, he had a point. I'm sure he did, but... It's interesting, isn't it? Because my two lads, um, as you remember from years back when we knew each other in London, yeah, yeah. I tried to brainwash them and I bought them QPR booties as babies. So that I remember. When babies, you know, eat their feet, they would see the QPR insignia. I remember. And you that did would your best. Them. But it completely uh, failed and, didn't, and they both don't like football at all. Now, my daughter now, I took her to a football match in France, where, as yeah. you know, I live. Um, I took her to a local game, Monton, playing Cagnier Samer on the weekend. And she proudly insisted on wearing her QPR top. And then said to me, Daddy, Daddy, can I get some QPR shorts as well? Because then I'd have a QPR suit. <laughs> so, what's the moral of this story? Well, I think, I think the moral of the story is you can't really do anything either way. I, I didn't try and push it on my children. I thought, let them come to it like I did. Uh, and, and it hasn't happened so far. I think it's probably just in you. Do you, do you, like, do you like this wonderful theatre of football and the smells and sounds, or don't you? I do. I do too. So it's QPR counter-attack here, although unfortunately it's been broken down. That looks cynical to me. But anyway, Richard, Richard Agar, my old mate from back in the day, he's going to tell me now about the Mediterranean connection we've uncovered, because of course you're going to Napoli to see a game soon. And when is that game? It's on the 10th of April, they're playing Fiorentina, I think. Uh, and do you know what Fiorentina's nickname is? Uh, no, no, it's something to do with the colour. I don't know, what is it? I don't know. La Viola. Uh, La Viola, yes, of course, yes, 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 yes. There no. you go, don't tell you I've never taught you anything. Well, that's the uh, last, I don't know, 30 years now. <laughs> there you go. Had there to happen go. at some point. <laughs> I think Johan Barbe is wearing a beret, isn't it? He is, actually. Is that a Breton beret? Uh, it's difficult to tell. It is, from this angle. I'd prefer if it was a sort of an Antibes berry. berry. Uh, uh, would that yes. be, would that be more, more Mediterranean, you know. Yeah, yeah, no. Yes, these two clubs with their illustrious history of Mediterranean football <laughs> <laughs> involvement. Um, well, I'll tell you what, did you know this? QPR played Monaco in a, a pre-season friendly recently. Did, no, I didn't know. How did they get on? Did they win? They lost 2-0. Well, so that's not bad against a side as good as Monaco. Yeah, I'm going to check, quickly um, check this, because, but I think that's true. Uh, we'll be back. Rich, I need to ask you an important question for Footy on the Med. OK, what's that? What's the Mediterranean connection in this game? Well, Swansea, famous seaside town. You jump in the sea there and swim far enough, you're at the Med. Absolutely right. Well done. And he called it the Sunday morning moment. Oh, OK. So as, you know, playing Sunday football, once in the course of a 90-minute game, there'll be something that you or I would have done that would yeah. be as good as any of those guys. Yeah. So the opposite of the existing segment. But a Sunday morning moment of the little bit of brilliance that, you know, we fancy we could have done. Oh, I see you. I hear you. The good one, Ricardo. Rousseau have definitely got all of this game now, haven't they? Yeah, they have. Really Completely. bright. Really bright start by Villefranche, but now they've been under the cosh a bit. Still, they could break here. 
they need to get the ball to number 10 more often. Here he is right now. I mean, look at that. He's nice brilliant. Really He's brilliant. Is. Different gravy, as they say these days. Or they used to say. I think that's probably old hat now. And again. Oh, wow. This guy's. Okay. Well, there's your Sunday. He is going places. Yeah. What a ball. Great ball. He's really he? show. This guy's brilliant. So any um, English football scouts uh, who um, chance upon this podcast, the number 10 for Villefranc is a superb footballer. Yes. Uh, what was it called again? Satellitescouting.com. Yeah. On our other segment. How many segments? We've got more segments than uh, Terry's Chocolate Orange. Wouldn't mind getting a Terry's Chocolate Orange sponsorship. I'm going to say it again. Terry's Chocolate Orange are really good. Yeah, they are good. But what about those um, two hot dogs you had before? The uh, I did have two hot dogs. I wondered how long it was going to be before you brought up the fact. Was... You could have just said hot dogs. We had hot dogs, not John had two hot dogs. It's sort of back to the good old days of the first game we went to, wasn't it? Where it all started. Game, yeah. Oh, my God. Where you had two hot dogs, and they were both ginormous. Two baguettes with a hot dog inside. Each one. Bit of sunshine now. And once again, the hot dog was a bit undercooked. Did you think so? Yeah, I thought so, yeah. I was so ravenous, I didn't notice. I just wolfed it down. Hunger is the best sauce as my mother says. Have you heard of a novel called Hunger? Um, By Knut Hansen. No, I have not. probably not how you pronounce his name at all. Uh, I think he was a Norwegian writer. Absolutely superb book. Is it the basis for the Hunger Games? Um, no. It's about a very strange no, person. No, it's not, John. It's not about the Hunger Games at all. It's about... Have you ever read Milan Kundera's The Unbearable Lightness of Being? It's, it's a bit heavier than that. Have you read that, by the way? No, I just learned the name and title of the book to throw in polite company. Yes, hello. Oh, I was reading London as the unbearable lightness of being the other day. Do you want to help me write um, from the Arga to the Arga with this newfound literary knowledge of yours? I'd love it. Here he comes, number 10. He's off. And the crowd know he's the best player. They go nuts whenever he plays. He's got great feet. He's a big lad. He's fast thinking. Have you noticed how quickly yeah, he can... Yeah. Oh, oh my God, we say are in now. Oh, that is 1-0. 1-0. Keeper had a shocker. Their keeper's looked a bit soft a couple of times, actually. Oh, I feel really uh, feel really sorry for Villefranche now. I've quite taken to them. Uh, is it because of where we're standing, you mean? You're taking to them. You want to come and live in this area? Um, no, just the way they started the game. That number 10 is such a quality player. But that's a terrible defensive lapse there, and now they're a goal down. And this team is second from bottom of the table at the moment, Villefranche. They've only won one game all season. Well, number 10 had a shot. We have a good eye for, well, you have a good eye for picking out the players of the game. Something's going to happen with that number 10. I think so. I mean, if they're second from bottom and they're losing here, number 10's got to be thinking, we're going to get relegated. He's got to, he's possibly playing out of his skin every week to get a move. Well, I think we've got to make it our mission today to find out who he is and what he's doing here. I cannot believe this is the only level he's ever played at or will play at. I had someone say that to me once after a game. Yeah? Yeah. Same, same words, different sentiment. I can't believe you're playing at this level. <laughs> and this is the only... Or that this is the only level you're ever going to play at. I thought, I'm destined for greatness. It's only later in life I realised... He meant the other direction. I was 11 years old. I was playing left back. 
and we, my brother Michael had just told me before kickoff that there was a surprise waiting for me at home. And I knew the surprise was a dog. So I was all excited about the dog that was going to be waiting for me at home. I was distracted, Alex. I was distracted. Yeah. So, kickoff happens. The ball goes around for a few minutes. And then it comes down my channel. I wasn't a natural left back anyway. Don't know why I was there. Selection mustn't have been mm. what the manager wanted that week. And um, this lad just pushes the ball past me. I can't catch him and he scores. And our manager fella just shouts over to me. Oh, hey, that was all your fault. And it was at that moment, Alex, I realised that yes, it was my fault. And also I was never going to be a professional footballer. John, because I was, I was more interested in the dog. This is a searing story from your youth. Yeah. I mean, you were clearly scarred and traumatised by, um, by that manager's comments when you were a mere 11. Yeah. Who knows if he hadn't said that? If, he, if he'd instead said, cheer up, John, never mind, mate, there's a puppy waiting for you back home. I'd have thought. <laughs> you might he, have how do you know on that? playing. You my dad. Got a hat trick. <laughs> how do you know about the puppy? <laughs> what you been doing in our house? Hello. Yes, a lot of supplementary questions do flow from this, don't they? I've always had dogs. Me too, actually. Have you ever had, um, I've got two at the minute, as you know. The one that is a real character is the Weimarana Cross. Oh, yeah. What's it crossed with? Labrador. Nice. Great dogs. Well, you know. I looked after a Weimarana once. Do you? I did, yeah. A friend of mine went out of town and asked me to look after his dog. It was a puppy. He only just got it. I don't know why he just got it and then went out of town. Why didn't he wait until he came back? Maybe it was a breeder thing you had to get it right there and then yeah. um, so it wasn't properly house trained and stuff so we barricaded it into the kitchen area you know to keep it that's sensible because Weimaran is a real escape artist actually. are they really yeah 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 you've got to yeah well, well done you yeah well it was all going swimmingly well for the first couple of days until we couldn't figure out how the Weimaraner had gotten out of its enclosure of the kitchen area right so well, it had gone missing. Well, it had gone missing, but the house was sizable, but not massive. And it had a pool, and we were concerned that it had gotten into the pool. And so I was frantically searching outside in the pool. When you say we, just uh, who is this? Who, it was and... me and Helene, yeah. Oh, okay, right. And so we've been searching for a while outside, and we come back in, we're calling its name. Still, I'm still convinced it couldn't have got out of the kitchen. So I'm thinking, oh, it must have, a half time, everybody, it must have, you know, Hiding under a, a, a sink shelf or something. I don't know where. Playing hide and seek with you. Or yeah. Something. Right. Okay. Well, I was half right. It ended up that Helene had left the. It wasn't my fault. Right. Helene had left the freezer door open, and the dog had obviously yeah, hopped into the, the freezer at some point, and she closed it. What? Hang on. Hang on. Do I want yeah. to know anymore? I, I, I love well, dogs. I, don't I know you love dogs. Everyone loves dogs. And I love Weimaraners particularly. Yeah. Well. This was a Weimaraner the freezer had, mix. The dog had got it in the freezer. In the freezer. And because we've been looking for so long, uh, it had become particularly cold, but I could tell that it was not quite dead. John, I don't want to hear any more of this. Right. So, so what I did was, I got on the phone to the vet. You know, do you just oh, throw should, it in some water? Do you warm it up? So. Well, do I drive it over there? Do I, what, how do I get it revived, as it were? said the strange thing to me, he said, do you have any gasoline in, in, in the house? Because I living in the States at the time. I said, yeah, I've got, I've got some, because they say gasoline, I've got some for my uh, leaf blow. Right. He said, get some gasoline and put it on the dog's tongue. It will 
give the dog some kind of reaction where it thins the blood quickly enough that it gets oxygenated. Well, I, I don't quite know how it works. This is just ridiculous. So hang on, the dog is it's sort of in a coma. Yeah, breathing. It's, but, it's, right. It's, you can tell it's alive, but only just... It's not It's not responsive. It's non-responsive, as they oh, say. I'm getting a bit annoyed with Helene managing to shut the freezer, but... Well, yeah, she didn't do it on purpose, I'm sure. Anyway, so I put the gasoline on the dog's tongue, and it perks right up, like uh, like a cartoon. As it just... No. Yeah, and ran round. Well, the enclosure was still there, of course, so it's running round inside the kitchen enclosure. So there is a happy ending. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it was that. a happy ending, and then just it keeled over straight away, boom, after about 30 seconds. No. Yep. Oh, God, well, what happened? I mean, what, what? Ran out of gas. <laughs> Here they come out, the second half. Come on, the purples. John, um, three facts. Oh, wow. I've got a fact for you. Okay, I don't have any for you. Question yielding a fact. Uh, it's about someone who you know of. Oh, okay. James Gordon Bennett. Gordon Bennett, yeah. Okay. The uh, famous publisher. Right. Oh, that's what he was, a publisher, yeah. was he? Okay. You and found he was uh, of this parish, Loveville Franche. In what year did uh, Gordon Bennett move to France? 1936. 1877. It was when he died. I'd say he would move here in 1877. Brilliant. Yeah. So... Alex, question for you. Okay. Rousset. Yeah. Who are playing today? They are. Yeah. The ones in yellow. Yeah. They are near Aix en Provence. Very fine place. It's a beautiful place. Love it there. How far is Aix en Provence to Marseille? <laughs> That's an excellent question. Um, have you just been on Google Maps to look that up? No, I know the distance between Aix-en-Provence and Marseille. I just know it. Yeah, I just know it. Well, no, I've <laughs> driven that a few times. It's a great part but of the world. how is that question relevant to, relevant to Rousset? Because... Rousset's near Aix. I, I said Rousset in my question, so it therefore... Oh, it I see, OK. You, if you were to ask me how far Rousset is from Marseille... OK. How far is Rousset from Marseille? Well, 45 miles. Fact number two from me to you yeah. about Rousset. What colour what colour kit do they play in? I'm very glad you asked me that, but I need you to be more precise. At home. Oh no. That's difficult. But do you know what? I think it's the same as this away kit. It is. Ah, good. So for our listeners, because they can't they can only imagine now. For those listening in black and white. Yeah, they're playing in black and white. And uh, the rest of us they're wearing yellow shirts, red socks and red shorts. So cap ferra as you have correctly uh, corrected me. Cap Ferrat. It's close to the village of Ez. Yeah. And um, a certain philosopher loved Ez, called Friedrich Nietzsche. Yes. Um, Nietzsche was a pretty depressive character. He was, and he, um, he's been co-opted by... The Nazis. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, but did he, or did he not, say this? Yes, he did. The richness of the light on a tortured, sometimes suicidal soul like me is almost miraculous. Like a plant. <laughs> it's gone deathly quiet here and everyone's looking at you. <laughs> that fella's reading poetry or something. I've got my large hardback book with me, but anyway. Yeah, like a plant I grow in the sunshine. 
Was that one <laughs> You're of definitely the... a plant. I can tell you that. <laughs> Is that one of Nietzsche's bon mot or not? Beyond good and evil. Uh, that's well, he was that. talking about plants beyond good and evil, and of course the midnight garden of good and evil, gardens, plants. Uh, that was based a book that was written about in Savannah, I believe. Are you familiar with the work? I'm not actually, but no. But Midna I midnight in the garden of good and evil. I've read a book you've not read. No. Oh, I could. Hold on. Stop the presses. But did he or did he not say uh, what I just said? He said. I'm going to say yes, he did. I mean, he's talking about plants growing light. Oh, goodbye. Dangerous move. What a great, ball. Great How ball. How did he great miss ball. that? Their number 10's handy as well, isn't he? I have to say. It's the battle of the 10s. Yeah, well, well done on getting that uh, answer right, John. Yeah, thank you. There was you. a clue that I'm reading it out of a book. But, uh, yeah. So, listeners, we're a bit thin on the ground on facts for these two clubs because they play in the, uh, very, in the sixth tier of French football and there's virtually nothing online about them. It's another rough-and-tumble game, really, isn't it? It's another one of those games where, you know, despite the fact that I love football, and I loved our little bit of keepy-uppy the other day, John. You did very in, well, in Alex. Park, I was very impressed. Park, but, um, you know, I definitely don't want to be out there. I'll have to practice your keepy-uppies tomorrow again to see what it's like. Well, what did you get up to? 80? Something like that, I think. I think it was more, was it? Uh, so, yeah, yeah, it was a little bit more. I was goading you into saying, actually, it was 92. Let me ask you a question you might not want to reveal on the podcast. What's the most consecutive keepy uppies you've done? Um, I do know this, you know. I know you know it. It's, it's quite a few. Because don't forget, I, um, you know, I challenged Mr Wu, the master of keepy uppies in freestyle football, once. <laughs> I must admit, he did beat me. But, um, yeah, 1,374. 1,374. That is insane. I did 20 the other day. You were my witness. Yeah, you did, you did. And, and we and also should be fair and say that my first couple of efforts, yeah. you must have been thinking, Alex says he's quite good at keeping up, but I think I managed about three or four for the first two or three times. Yeah, but you were standing on your head at the time. <laughs> I think the most I probably have, would ever have done in my life, in one go, would have been 40, if I'm being generous to myself. But I did 20 the other day as a 50-year-old without practising, so maybe it was more than that. Do you think we should have some sort of um, another segment? Or even a, a competition for people? Kind of like... Rather than keeping up with appearances, it's keeping up with the podcasters kind of thing. Keep you, the footy on the med, yeah. keep you up your challenge. Yeah, exactly. The woo moment. Oh, yes, the woo. So Mr. Woo was the world keepy uppy champion, was he? He was, yeah. And you, you challenged Mr. Woo to a, a keepy uppy off? I did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I wrote it up for the Sunday Times. You can find it somewhere. Oh, there's, the, the there's report a of this, piece. The report a... of this uh, amazing battle. <laughs> Did you, Titanic clash. Did you do the... Were you the author? Were you the journalist? Yeah. So it was completely scrupulously objective. I was going to say, it was... Oh, I've got an idea for an article. <laughs> Why doesn't Mr Wu take on some average fellow about keepy-ups? Oh, good idea, Alex. Who's the average fellow? Me. That's a fair summary of it, you know. Did you get paid for this piece? Yeah, yeah. So you went... So you, you're a professional keepy-upper. <laughs> That's professional <laughs> football in my book. 
Well, in that case, I've, I've been a professional footballer quite a few times. Funnily enough, on a sort of sporadic basis, though. Uh, no real consistency to my career. So, Mr. Wu, so we've got to bring him in. I wonder what Mr. Wu is doing right now. Keepy-ups, apparently. I hope so. I hope so. I, mean, I hope he's hope kept he's, up with his keepy-ups. Yeah, he's stayed true to himself. I hope yeah. so. So, Cap Ferrat, John. Yes. I have a very famous hotel. Well, many, actually. And you need to tell me what the name of it is, but I'm going to give you a clue. Hotel Cap Ferrat? No. Cap Ferrat. No, no, no. The clue is this. When I was um, in England yeah. this week for three days, yes. Oh, I went to London, yes. Bristol, Bristol, okay. Oh. And Cheltenham, Cheltenham races. And Heathrow Airport. Good, good. Oh, yeah. Given those clues, what's yeah. the name of the hotel that's very famous here? It's called the Cheltenham Bristol Heathrow Airport Hotel. Here <laughs> it comes. It's called the Heathrow. It's called the Bristol. Well done. You know it, don't you? You probably stay It's called there the Cheltenham. Times. It's the Bristol. Free kick, edge of the box. This is a nice position for number 10, isn't it? He's not coming over to take it. He's actually going to try and nod it in at the back post. You're right, he's not. Number 11 is going to take this. Clear shooting opportunity here, this free kick on the edge of the Rousseau box. Obviously, you've not read your tactics book. Well, we've got a great angle of it here. I know. Great view. If he can just loft it over. I don't think there's enough room to loft it over and get it down. I think he's going to try and slot it between on the ground. That's what I'd do. And have his players run onto it. Do you see what I mean? Well, for 10, who's looking... Yeah, for number 10, who's lurking, he's going to hit it hard along the ground. No, he went for it. Ballooned it over the bar. This is a sort of, I think this is a training ground. The, uh, the mini ultras over there. Because the what we're witnessing here is just in microcosm what we see at Marseille and Nice and, in, and the grounds in Italy as well. Yeah. Where there's a couple of uh, choir masters, or as I've called them, um, who never watch the game. They stand staring at their own fans, uh, choreographing the, uh, the songs, chants, everything. So you think he's maybe looking for a call-up to the big leagues? I think these guys are going to be um, giving it large at Nice in about three or four years' time. Yeah. Well, John, we've got about five minutes to go, I think. Can you see uh, Villefranche getting a goal back and salvaging something here? Um, I hope they do. I do too. They're, they're certainly got enough talent on the pitch. Well, they have up front, and their right fullback's very good, but I'm not convinced by too many of the others. Do you see the other little mini ultra just then kicking the fence? No. They're sort of rehearsing for the, the role later in life. One of them picked up a chair and threw it at the, one of his mates. They're probably a bunch of proper little hard cases, but I can't take them seriously, to be honest with you. Well, is this what living on the Villefranche does to you, on Cap Ferrat? It has a whiff of performance theatre, doesn't it? They're like uh, LARPing being ultras. That's live-action role-playing. I agree. But our uh, excellent number 10 has had a very quiet second half. Oh, hang on, he's on the ball, in the box. Well, the ball's going That's out of the row. And hit a... Smashed into a Ferrari. A uh, hit Ferrari. Well, you can't hit the sea from here, but you can hit a Ferrari. Yeah. And the only other ground we know that we could do that would be Monaco's, wouldn't it? True. 
and the Ferrari owner has kicked the ball back and it lands amid the Mini Ultras, who are very pleased. Oh, it's gone out again. Lamborghini this time. Yeah, that's the Lamborghini. Do you think they're playing for time, perhaps? I've always said this about Lamborghini owners, John. They're not as classy as Ferrari owners. Yeah, that's what you think. Because, you know, the ball's not being kicked back by the Lamborghini guy. He's kept it. Yeah. Self-made man. Must be an interloper, because uh, Cat Ferrari is, of course, old money, isn't it? Well, they're having quite a laugh, aren't they? Well, they're enjoying themselves, certainly. Well, harm's fun until they attack us savagely after the game. I'll tell you what, Alex, if they come for us, you take the short one, and I'll take the other short one. Yeah. If we were to ever be in a bit of a rumpus with some ultras, I'd be quite happy if it were these mini ultras. Well, not happy, I'm relieved. Ankle biters. Ah, oh, the right back's trying to do it all by himself, but now he's got some help from the right mid. Oh, number 10's bowled over. Is that going to be a free kick? That was retribution from the defender who just got smacked in the face. He took out number 10. Oh, and now on the counter It's got to be a second goal for Rousseau. Yeah, Must be. Oh, it's an absolutely terrible pass. Well, I've just realised the lad to my right is a Rousseau fan. Another hefty clearance. Dying seconds now, got to be. I think, John, talking, thinking back to our friends in San Remo, yeah. um, that for one of these games sooner or later, we need to actually get amongst the ultras and talk to them during a game. Yeah, all right then. Uh, you can do that. Yeah, sure. No problem. I'll, uh, these are multi-range mics, these ones, so I can <laughs> well, pick, up, I can pick up your signal from a distance. Yeah. I'll be in the VIP box. Well, I believe that, if, you know, smile and the world smiles with you. So I'm just going to go and have a chat with some ultras and smile at them. Fair enough. This game on this lovely day here in uh, Cap Ferrat is petering out. John. Hello. Footwear observation expert that you are. Yes. Where are we on the, uh, the footwear this week? Well, I saw the uh, the green ones with the clear soles earlier. I like those a lot. Yeah. And the, the pink, the ones there, the pink heeled ones with the green front and the white soles. They're pretty groovy. They're yeah. pretty groovy. Um, yeah, a good smattering of different colours. Surprising for this level, as we've. This is the exception that proves the rule this week. It does. Yes. And there's yeah, is that right. full time. No. Second half's gone on, hasn't it? Yeah. And there it is, full time. So it ends, Villefranche, Saint-Jean, Beaulieu, zero, Rousset, one. Well, until next time. See you soon. Join us next time for Footy on the Mend.